Let me put a little Team's best player of the 2010s of the AFC. In this episode, we're talking about the episode NFC. The NFC, yes. Um, and so we'll just jump right into it. Um, yep. NFC East, uh, the division of the offensive line, as you'll see in a minute. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm we're gonna start right off with that. And um, the other guy I was really thinking about was Jason Witten. Jason Witten is a synonymous with the uh, Dallas Cowboys franchise. Just a really solid tight end. Um, fan favorite, uh, who's actually now on my Oakland Raiders. So hopefully, obviously on the pro in the prime of his career, but hopefully he can bring some we'll down to Darren we'll Waller. See. But um, no, in the decade, um, Witten was a five-time Pro Bowler, most receptions amongst tight ends in the decade, third in total yards, uh, just over seven thousand, and fifth in touchdowns, uh, with forty-five. Um, I get those numbers kind of speak for themselves. The, the Dallas Cowboys have been very fortunate to have a lot of good players come, in, come through there. Jason Wynn being one of them. Uh, wow, what's the, uh, Zach Martin, Travis Frederick. Yeah. A lot yeah. of really good players coming mm-hmm. into Dallas. But to me, Tyron Smith was just a cornerstone on, the, on that offensive line. Um, he's, been named, he's been named to the Pro Bowl every season since 2013. Uh, two, uh, two-time first-team All-Pro. Like, this guy is legit. And if we're being honest, he's probably responsible for a lot of this, a lot of the success that uh, Tony Romo had. But again, uh, Tyron Smith is ridiculous, and I don't think it was any question he was probably the best Dallas Cowboy in the decade. Yeah. Ty- Tyron Smith was also my pick. It was between him and Zach Martin for me, but I went with Tyron Smith, a seven-time Pro Bowler and two-time first-team All-Pro, as you mentioned. Played 131 games, had some injuries, but you know everyone does. But Tyron Smith, when he was healthy, Welcome was an absolute monster. Exactly. Yeah. He, Tyron Smith is like the second coming of Larry Allen for the uh, the Dallas Cowboys. So, I mean, when Troy Aikman had Larry Allen, whoever the Cowboys had a quarterback, whether it be Romer or Dak Prescott, had an, a great blindside tackle to rely on when things were going bad. Uh, he played a very valuable position, blindside tackle, incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. And to make seven Pro Bowls at, at blindside tackle is just absolutely incredible. Great job for him. And... You know, the Cowboys did a really good job building great offensive line around him. Um, so going from one great offensive line to another, or at least another good candidate, um, we're going to go to the Philadelphia Eagles now, who, again, who have had a very, very, very solid uh, offensive line for the last couple of years. Oh, sorry, I won't say very solid, but they've, they, they've had a good offensive line. They um, built it really well over the last three or four years. They built it very, very well, yes. And... The my the guy I picked was Jason Peters. Uh, honorable mention note to Fletcher Cox. Um, Fletcher Cox has become the cornerstone of the um, Philadelphia Eagles defense. Um, Pro Bowler each of the last five seasons. Um, first team All Pro in 2018. Uh, 121 quarterback hits, 48 sacks, 62 tackles. Um, this guy's legit. Uh, tackle, sorry, 62 tackles for loss on 62 tackles. I jumped the gun there. But this guy's legit. Um, but Jason Peters is just – he's a like, he's like Tyron Smith. He's just something else. Not necessarily right now, but in his prime, like especially in the last couple of years, like he was something else. And, again, like he's not great right now. And the Eagles actually just brought him back, I think, a couple of days ago. But um, I think he's a very nice addition to, to help Carson Wentz. Anyways, that's kind of irrelevant right now. But, yeah, to me, Jason Peters was the best field day. Philadelphia Eagle of the, uh, of the decade. 
Yeah, well, here, here's the thing. The, the Philadelphia Eagles, over the last three, four years, actually, I think it was around 2015, 2016, when they, when they drafted you know, Lane Johnson and uh, Brent Brooks and those, piece, those really big pieces that really brought that offensive line from being one of the, the mediocre, one of the below average, to one of the best in the league. Right. And that, that was around when they started doing it. But they had a piece to build around, Jason Peters. Mm-hmm. Jason Peters was playing at an unbelievable pace before all those pieces came together. So they, they built that, that right side of the line with Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson. But the blind side, Jason Peters was there protecting Nick Foles and Kevin Cobb and whoever they, they had, whoever they trotted out as quarterback before Carson Wentz. Oh, my uh, God. And, I mean, Carson Wentz probably has him to thank for, for those first few years for really helping him. You know, not have to think too much about that blind side because Jason Peters did a really good job blocking it. Uh, it was just, you know, 125 games. He got injured a fair amount. He he had he definitely sustained some injuries later on in his career, and of course he kind of got replaced with the Andre Dillard pick last year. He's right. going to come in this. He's going to come in this coming year to replace Brandon Brooks, who tore his Achilles. He's going to be a guard. But I mean. A, he he seems like the type that's versatile enough to to transition into being yeah, a guard. Exactly. That's why that's really. why they brought him back, and he knows the scheme too. But yeah. we're not talking about Jason Peters as a fit for the Eagles right now. We're talking about how well he's done as a blindside tackle for the last ten years, and he's been absolutely incredible. He's been one of the better ones. I can't say the best in the division because I'd still mm. probably take Tyron Smith or maybe even maybe even the next guy we're talking about over him. But still, he's been absolutely incredible. You got to give him a lot of credit as being one of the better pass blockers we've seen. Uh, and yeah, uh, a lot of great players on the Eagles over the last decade. This is probably one of the the more difficult decisions that we had to make, considering you do have great great candidates on the offensive line like Jason Kelsey. And uh, Brandon There's Brooks, a lot of really Johnson. good options. Like yeah. Shady McCoy as well. Mal- uh, Malcolm Jenkins, yeah. uh, and of course Fletcher Cox is probably my number two, as you yeah. as you mentioned. Sure. He's been, yeah. Again, if Aaron Donald didn't exist, we'd be talking about Fletcher Cox at, as that premier defensive tackle, uh, mm-hmm. run stopping. Right. He's just he's incredible. He's incredibly versatile. He does everything really. He does a lot of things really well. Uh, yeah, the Eagles had a solid decade because of these guys that we just mentioned. And let's, I guess, talk about a team that didn't really have Sucks. a great decade. They suck. Yeah, the they Washington suck. Redskins. Besides that, no, no, that no, no, one no. year they no, made the, the playoffs. the Washington question marks because we don't know what they're going to be named yet. Well, for the decade, they were the Redskins, so let's go with that. I'm going to call um, them the question marks. Yeah. Yeah, honorable mentions to Ryan Kerrigan, who's still on the team, and he actually he had a really good decade. London Fletcher didn't play for a actually, long part of the decade. Yeah, but Ryan Kerrigan was a few good players out of the, to come out of the Redskins this decade. Yeah, again, he played he played you know outside linebacker, defensive end. So you're not going to make that many Pro Bowls when you have the competition that you have oh, at sure. that position. Oh, but he did sure. a he did a very good job when he did a very good job, put up really good numbers. Yep. Uh, London Fletcher, the same thing, except he was at the beginning of the decade. But Trent Williams is the obvious pick. Yeah, like Trent Williams is—it's not really debatable. And again, there's—I think this is a lot about the Redskins and, and like the players that they've had and the lack of star power that's come out of Washington the last decade. But Trent Williams is so scary. Um, he could maul guys. He could really maul. He, he can could still maul ball. in pass protection. Yeah, like he's like he, his problem is staying healthy. And like again, like I think of this is like this is a guy who if he. Could if he could stay healthy, he's probably one of the best tackles in the league. Um, and yeah, anyways, yeah. Like, Actually, honestly, yeah. Even yeah. now, seven like, Pro Bowls in the last like nine years, he's still he's still got it. And shout out to Ryan Kerrigan. Um, 
probably one of the most underappreciated uh, linebackers in the league. Um, I had no idea, but I, I had no idea this stat was actually a thing. But uh, since he entered the league in 2011, Ryan um, Ryan Kerrigan has 90 sacks. Um, you didn't know sacks were a thing? No, I didn't know he had 90 of them, and I didn't know that's the fourth. He that's the fourth. Best, yeah, that's actually incredible. That's the fourth best measure, like the fourth best sack total, and since 2011. But anyway, is it actually that's incredible? That's insane. Yeah, yeah. So Ryan Damn. Kerrigan. Again, so Ryan Kerrigan, very under underappreciated uh, linebacker for the uh, Redskins, but still doesn't even hold a candle to Trent Williams, at least in my opinion. Well, with 90 sacks, yeah, he does hold a candle, but no, Trent Williams still wins. No. Trent Williams still wins. Also, Trent Williams beat cancer, so you got to give him credit there. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, moving on to the Giants, and they do not really have a great offensive line to speak of, so we'll talk about other positions. I, I think, pick Saquon uh, Barkley. In... in <laughs> The I'm end of the decade, kidding. you could very I'm well go with Saquon kidding. Barkley. Is I'm just not actually going with Saquon, guys. I'm just a year, a year and a half, a year and a half of work is just is not enough. Um, yeah. I think the pick here, you're gonna think you're probably gonna watching thinking like it's obviously Eli Manning, right? Well, yeah, it is Eli Manning, but it's a little closer than you think, right? Yeah. Like Odell Beckham Jr. had an incredible few years with the Giants. His he first almost three seasons were absurd. Like he, he almost got picked. He almost got the pick for me. Like it was yeah. it was actually kind of close. Uh I also want to give shout outs to Victor Cruz, who was, you know, a slightly worse Odell Beckham Jr. before Odell Beckham Jr. came around. He had some injury issues, but he played really well. Uh defensive end Jason Pierre Paul was actually yeah, he was a he was a mauler. He was he put up great numbers before he blew in, off in his, his prime with the firework fingers i think he only has three on one on about one hand now and i also want to give a shout out to entrell roll who uh also a very underappreciated player he played for the cardinals at the turn of the decade then he was on the giants he did a really good job uh he was a sack uh, i mean not a sack a tackle monster at safety which is pretty impressive so you got to give him credit there obviously eli manning's the pick i'll just give you the uh the stats that are significant he is a super bowl mvp Made the Pro Bowl three times at the most stacked position in the league. Uh, you, you you knock on him for throwing a lot of picks, but he had a 62 complete 62 percent completion percentage, which isn't terrible, considering he played 147 games and he threw a lot per game. Like you gotta you gotta respect that. 38 almost 39,000 yards and through the air. I think that's really those are really the significant numbers. He did not have the greatest decade. I will give you that, but. You know, he did a lot for this team, and mm-hmm. he was the just he was for at least for the first half of the decade. He was that constant that really allowed the team to build in other areas around him because they didn't really have to worry about him until the end of the decade. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing how Eli Manning's tenure with the Giants ended just with a lot of people kind of disrespecting him, despite how much how much he did for the franchise. But again, he was my pick as well. Um, to me, it really was just between OBJ and Eli Manning. Talking about teams that are uh, maybe struggling with quarterbacks right now, we're going to talk about the Chicago Bears. And um, They had a pretty rough decade. Yeah. They had uh, an they NFC had Championship to... appearance in 2010, and then they just couldn't get back to the playoffs until 2018. They just, they quarterback play went down, went down a cliff yeah. with Jake Cutler, and mm-hmm. the rest of the team just wasn't able to pick up the slack. 
for me, so for me, the Bears, uh, this one actually wasn't too difficult. I thought it was going to be a bit more difficult than it ended up being. Matt Forte was a very good all-purpose back. Uh, he was very, very solid. Um, in a season with the Bears, uh, he rushed for almost just over eight, eight and a half thousand yards, 64 touchdowns. Um, second on Chicago's all-time rushing yards. Um receptions and 100 yard games uh third and total touchdowns and sixth in receiving yards my honorable mentions were uh jay uh jay cutler even though i wasn't considering it um lance briggs brandon marshall julius peppers um yeah to me i just thought matt forte he was head and shoulders above everyone else but anyways that's that was my take on it yeah, this video here is talking about the most valuable player to each team over the decade. And over the last, you know, 20 years, I'd say, probably a little more so this decade and last decade, teams are starting to go away from the whole ground and pound strategy that they used to do. Like, and they're now more throwing. It's more of a throwing league now. So running backs tend to fall by the wayside. That being said, you're not going to running back is also a less, you know, durable position. So running backs don't last as long so because of that we're not going to talk about too many running backs on this list but matt forte is the is exception. the obvious is the obvious pick he's one of the exceptions on this list he's the obvious pick for the bears uh the bears did not have a great decade they kind of, they really re, they changed their team a lot over the decade matt mm-hmm. forte probably played for them longer than most did he got 88 games of service in with the team and almost 6500 yards on the ground that's just on the ground yeah uh 4.4 yards per carry that's pretty impressive considering he did that over like six seven years Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's pretty damn good Mm -hmm. and he was again as you mentioned an all-purpose back made two pro bowls at a very stacked position running back Mm -hmm. it's not it's not easy to make the pro bowl as a running back and it's not even not easy to do it over multiple years matt forte did And uh, uh, let's go to the Lions, which do, does not have an obvious pick. There are three I players. struggled with this one. Yeah, there are, three, there are three that really, really deserve to get this pick. There are three. But I have a, I have a bias. I'm personally a little biased. So I'll, I'll just tell you who I picked. I picked Megatron. Yep. I did too. And... And it's 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 fair to say that Megatron didn't des- doesn't deserve it over Matthew Stafford and Domikung Su. It's fair to say that Domikung Su was an absolute monster that could play defensive end or defensive tackle. Yeah. And when is when he was with the Lions and when he was healthy and not suspended, he was insane. He was unstoppable. He is he was one of those guys that it doesn't matter if you double him. It really didn't. And Matthew Stafford is just going to go down as one of the most underappreciated players ever. All time. No yeah. question about that. All time. And obviously you want to give him love every opportunity you can. Megatron, when we when we argue in favor of Megatron here, it's 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 partially because Megatron as a receiver, in my opinion, is the second best receiver that's ever played the game behind Jerry Rice. Really? I I take I take him over over Randy Moss. I take him over Terrell Owens. I take him over anybody anybody else. I it's take Antonio Brown over him. Well, they, him, Antonio Brown and Megatron were very, very different players. Yeah, but just, sure. just think if you want to think about Megatron, because you probably if if you haven't watched him play, because he played for the Lions when he was when he was playing. Yes. Just think think about Julio Jones, but a slightly worse route runner, and slightly slightly better hands. Yeah. And just 
only ran deep routes. He played 90 games, uh, nearly 8,600 yards, and 15.9 yards per reception. So he was he was going pretty far, and Matthew Stafford was equipped to throw the ball to him. Mm-hmm. The only reason why, I mean, the reason why Megatron isn't like the for sure number one is because he had most he had a lot of success before the decade started. He was drafted yeah, second exactly. overall in 2007. Yeah, if only the the Raiders picked him first overall instead of Jamarcus Russell, that would have been shut up. Yeah, that would have been interesting. Shut up. But but anyways, um, six-time Pro Bowler in the 2010s, made the first-team All-Pro three times at wide receiver, which is also a stacked position. So you got to give him credit there. You know, Megatron was just the guy. He was he was the guy that gave off defensive coordinators nightmares. It was him. Yeah. Um, I went that direction as well. Calvin Johnson or Megatron. I'm going to go with Megatron. That uh, was ridiculous. Um, the other... There are three other guys I was kind of considering. Two more, some more than the others. The, I, the two that you mentioned, Matthew Stafford and um, and Dominic Sue, were probably the two I was considering the most. But the other guy I want to give some love to is Darius Slay. Yep. Um, Darius Slay, by um, I don't think he's in the same kind of in the same class as Megatron or, Ma- or Matthew Stafford, who, as you mentioned, is probably going to go down as one of the most underappreciated quarterbacks when it's all said and done. His like he's remarkably consistent, and just his stats are always ridiculous. Um, but no, like Dar- just to quickly give some, love, give some love to Darius Slay. But Slay's a perennial po- uh, pro bowler at corner, and it really is too bad that uh, Matt Patricia had to go alienate him so he could get traded to Philly. But yeah, anyways, uh, it's Megatron. And moving yep. on to another team in the NFC North, the Green Bay Packers. Again, this isn't. I, this isn't overly easy. hard. It's, it's, Aaron, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, um, it's easy. Two-time MVP winners. Um, sorry, it's MVP winner who also won the Super Bowl. Um, and Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's not really much we have to say here. Um, yep. Third most touchdown passes in the decade, a 305. Um, and that was in 11 fewer games than Drew Brees, who was second with 345. And in 14 fewer games than second place Tom Brady at um, 316. So that kind of tells you a lot about Aaron Rodgers. But again, I think his I think his case would have actually been even better once you uh, if he actually had some reliable offensive options. But anyways, he has he has Vontae Davis. I'm oh, sorry, Vontae Adams. Vontae Davis. Vontae Adams, who was one of my honorable mentions, who was a top five wide receiver in the league. Um, Clay Matthews, another one, uh, as well as Jordy Nelson. Those were kind of my three honorable mentions. But again, it's Aaron Rodgers. There's no really, not really any question about it. And if you think I'm wrong, frankly, you're wrong. I'm sorry. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I think the most significant stat for me is the the one 103.6 quarterback rating right. in 142 yes. games. In 142 is... games, his quarterback rating is 103.6. That's absurd. Yeah, uh, just for reference, Tom Brady's is around 99. That's that's a pretty significant difference. Yeah, which is still respectful. That, well, Tom Brady's way. just it's for the decade. Tom Brady, this is for yeah. the this is just for the right. decade. Yeah. Uh, I think 103.6 might be one of the best all time, at least for a period of time, and his. You know, a 1.3% in, in interception rate to a 6.2% yeah. touchdown rate. That's insane. Um, yeah, there's not really home. much. Yeah, there's not much else to say. 
Aaron Rodgers is just one of those players. He's mobile. He can throw the deep ball really well. He can throw the short ball really well. He just he does everything incredibly well, and he was the best quarterback in the league for a period of time. His 2011 season was one of the best a quarterback's ever had. Yeah. That MVP year, yeah, that's one of the best a quarterback's ever had. It was absolutely insane. Uh, I guess we won't dwell on this a little bit longer. We'll move on to the Vikings. And as I mentioned earlier, running backs aren't that valuable in the grand scheme of things over a decade for a team because it's just not a versatile position and not a durable position. It is a versatile position, depending. Adrian Peterson didn't really play it in a versatile way. He was very much just a bruiser, but he was probably the best bruiser we've seen since, I don't know, Mark Riggett, uh, uh, John Riggins. Someone like that. Yeah, yeah. Adrian Peterson is was. I mean, he had a lot of success before the decade started. 2007 was his rookie season. He won MVP. I think he won. He won some sort of. I think he might have won MVP in 2007. Yep. Uh, but he won. He won MVP again in 2012. The last non-quarterback to do it. Uh, twice first-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler. Had some stuff in the middle of the decade, but I mean, when he was on, he was on. He had 7,000 yards, over 7,000 yards in 77 games, uh, 4.8 yards per carry. For a, yeah. for a bruiser down the middle runner like Adrian mm-hmm. Peterson was, that's incredibly impressive. Yep. And he, he, was, he was literally carrying the Vikings for the yeah. years he was playing healthy. In 2012, the Vikings made the playoffs. Their quarterback was Christian Ponder. I think you can kind of understand who ran the offense there, right? Offensive player of the year, 2012. I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in the Hall of Fame when all is said and done. And the fact that he's still playing and starting is pretty incredible to me. That also, that honestly makes me think, yeah, he's making he's making the Hall of Fame. But there are a lot of running backs in there. I think will. I think there are a lot of running backs in there, and I don't know if he stands up to those those old those old relics of the past that really ran their offense. He might be the last running back to really run an offense mm-hmm. um, honorable mentions to Harrison Smith, Everson yeah. Griffin and Anthony Barr and Daniel Hunter. Obviously those guys were incredible, but Adrian Peterson takes it. Yeah. So again, you, I think you kind of nailed it. With Adrian Peterson really beat me to the punch. My main, my main honorable mention was Harrison Smith. Not really much to say here. Uh, the guy, they, he used a huge part of that Minnesota Vikings defense. Um, he does everything. He does everything he really, at an elite level. Yeah, he's honestly he's a very scary guy. Um, and that being said, let's move on to the NFC South, and you will get right on. We'll just jump right to you the. Would, you would probably think you. Uh, sorry for interrupting you, but no, you probably ahead. think like, yeah, this is the division of the quarterback, right? Well, not yeah, so. I. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't pick quarterbacks here. Like obviously obviously we have two MVPs mm-hmm. and one incredibly decorated another de- decorated quarterback in this division mm-hmm. over the last decade. But I, those teams had one other player that was just absolutely monstrous, yeah. insane, generational on their team, and we just. Had to pick them. I'm talking, of course, about Matt Ryan and Cam Newton. I'm just going to shout them out right now. I didn't pick either of them. I kind of wish yeah. I did. Yeah. But they there were two generational talents on each of their teams, respectively, that sure. we had to pick. You, sure. you, I'm assuming you picked both of them, too. You picked Julio and Luke Eakley? I did, yeah. Yeah. All right. I'll, we'll start with Julio Jones, I guess. 
Um, I'll just say the meaningful stats. He had 12,125 yards over the decade on 797 catches. Mm -hmm. Basically, he put up Megatron numbers if Megatron played the whole decade. Yeah. That's saying something. Uh, yeah, 15.2 yards per catch. So he's like he's going sub, he's going pretty far down the field in a 63.7 yeah. catch catch uh, percentage. Yeah. And he made the Pro Bowl seven times and twice made first team All Pro in a very stacked position with yeah. guys like Antonio Brown and AJ Green. So that Andrew has Hopkins. to be recognized. Well, yeah, near the end, yeah. But I know. Here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. Matt Ryan played incredibly over the decade. He played incredibly over the entire decade. He's definitely going to be one of those underappreciated players, although he won an MVP, so he probably won't be underappreciated like Matthew Stafford, but he we're will be at a, We're looking at a pro, at a pro Bowl. I don't say Pro Bowl, but a maybe one day Hall of Famer in Matt Ryan. Yeah, it's a, may, it's a maybe. It's a maybe. Julio, Julio Jones is a definite Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. If he has one more year like the years he's had, he's he's got it. He's done incredible things over his career. And he has really spoiled the Falcons as far as, you know, offensive playmakers have gone. Because they moved on from, from Roddy White straight to him. And it's he is he has given defensive coordinators nightmares having to face him for sure. And he he nearly single handedly torched the Patriots in that in that Super Bowl. Uh, honorable mentions, Matt Ryan, center Alex Mack, who played most of his time with yeah. the uh, with the Browns, Browns, but he played really well with the Falcons and tight end Tony Gonzalez, who's definitely a top three tight end ever, but he ended his career with the Falcons at the beginning of the decade. And he played really, really well. Just talking about Luke Keekley, um, again, this is another guy who it's really too bad because if he didn't have that many, as many concussions as he, as he ended up having, I don't think that it would even be close comparing to Cam Newton. When I when I, when I I think he's very similar to Brian Urlacher, um, but yeah, like he's just very complete linebacker. I like and I think he really can help complement the uh, Carolina Panthers defense. Urlacher is actually a pretty decent uh, comparison. Uh, the comparison I'd make is Patrick Willis. They're just that, some incredible. Yeah, that's another. That's, there's some incredible yeah. parallels in terms of how long they played, the kind of stats they put up. The fact mm-hmm. that they really played the position the same way, but that's an that's an incredibly flattering comparison. And honestly, exactly. Keekly probably surpassed it a yeah, little bit. Honestly, probably. And if he was if, if he wasn't hurt all the, as much as he was, he probably would have shattered it. At least in my opinion. Yeah, it's pretty impressive that he won Defensive Player of the Year in his rookie season. And this was 2012, right? So you know, Von Miller was a rookie too. JJ uh, Watt was a rookie too. You know, and he played a position that was a little less flashy than outside linebacker. Inside linebacker is just more of a, a coverage, uh, uh, run-stopping, just do what needs to be done, but don't do the fun stuff like sack the quarterback kind of position. But he still sacked the quarterback. Yeah. He did a great, he did a great job. He had 18 picks over 118 games, so his, in coverage he's pretty decent. Right. Uh, and 70, 75 tackles for loss, 1,092 tackles. I think that's the most significant number that you'll see here. Yeah. And that's over 118 games. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely insane. Made the Pro Bowl seven times, made first team all pro five times, which basically solidifies himself as the best middle linebacker of the decade, mm-hmm. easily. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Luke Keekley was just the kind of guy that just, nothing really got by him. 
Yeah. Like you, you couldn't you couldn't really fool him. You had a very difficult time fooling him. The one time I've ever seen him not look amazing was that one time he had to cover Julio Jones. And, and, yeah, that's, and that's Julio, Julio Jones. Yeah, Julio literally just like jumped over him, took the ball, and then walked into the end zone behind <laughs> oh, him. It was it was one of the, it was a really nice catch. But I mean, you don't put Luke, you don't put anyone, you can't really expect anyone to cover Julio like that, mm-hmm. let alone Luke Keekley. But for a for an inside linebacker, Luke Keekley was a good coverage guy for sure. Um, my my honorable mentions were Cam Newton. Uh, Offensive lineman Trey Turner and Ryan Khalil. Ryan Khalil is going to be one of those unsung heroes, but at center he played incredibly well, and he made he made quite a few Pro Bowls. He was yep. definitely one of those really reliable players that made sure Cam Newton wasn't running all the time at the beginning of his career. Yeah, no, for sure. And another honorable mention goes out to a Christian McCaffrey again. Not a huge sample size, at least not to enough to put him in the kind of top uh, top tier of uh, kind of options for the Panthers. But again. Whenever you're talking about the Panthers, you got to shut out CMC. It's a rule. Otherwise, yeah. the, the Grim Reaper will come kill you. Um, yeah. New Orleans Saints, um, again, not Easy. a lot of debate here. Uh, Drew, It's Drew Brees. Um, yeah. Uh, MVP, uh, Super Bowl MVP uh, to start off the decade. So that's obviously a good start. But he's the... Again, he's still playing, and so is Tom Brady. So this is subject to change. All-time leader in career passing yards and touchdowns. Like, this guy is ridiculous. Like, he, again, this is Hall of Fame we're talking about. Probably one of the probably one of the best quarterbacks of the decade, at least in his prime. Yeah. He's, um, he's going to go down as one of the most, if not the most accurate quarterbacks that's ever played the game. His, his, his completion percentage is about 70%, considering um, he played 153 games. Yeah, in the decade, he led all NFL quarterbacks with almost 47,000 yards, 345 touchdown passes, and 69.5 completion percentage. And uh, third in wins as a starting QB, which, again, isn't really the best stat to you. He also but... played for the Saints, and the Saints did not have a great defense for yeah, that's basically thing. the entire decade. Yeah. Um, honorable mention goes to Cam Jordan. Cam Jordan is a ridiculous defensive end. Um, extremely consistent. He's a great pass rusher, great run defender. Um, but that being said, like um, first team All Pro in 2017, and then uh, second team in 2018, 2019, and again, Cam Jordan's a monster. Then uh, uh, he was my really my only other uh, honorable mention for the Saints. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I threw down as honorable mentions uh, Jari Evans, the guard from the first half of the decade who made a few pro bowls and did a really good job. He's a guy I'd never even heard of before doing mm. this research. So I guess it was, it was good to recognize a guy like that. And I also threw Michael Thomas down. Yeah. Just Mike that, Thomas. That, right. Right. That record, right, that record setting season from there. last year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, moving on to the Buccaneers, they had a really rough decade too. They didn't play, <laughs> they didn't make the playoffs once. I don't, I think they had mostly losing seasons. Yeah. I think their best I, seasons were what, like seven and nine. I think those were the best yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Winston, Give him some credit. He didn't do a horrible job, and this team was actually way worse off before him. Yep. If we're being completely honest, nope. like Josh, Josh McCown, Josh Freeman, whoever they were really trotting out there, Matt McGloin. It, it just yeah. Well, Fitzmagic at the end, but who? But before no, no, right, James no, came around, right, no, right, yeah, yeah, yeah it, sure. nothing really worked. But we could say one thing for sure is that they had one defensive player that was just 
doing everything that needed to be done and just just the the captain and the leader of that defense for the entire entire decade it's Gerald McCoy sure he is really the only the only player on the buccaneers that really made like consistent pro bowls and all pro teams made the all first team all pro once made six pro bowls put up some really good numbers 54 and a half sacks in 123 games uh, 79 tackles for loss, 297 tackles. And this is a defensive tackle here. This is the guy in the middle of the offensive line. Or the def- yeah, the middle of the offensive defensive line. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's getting doubled for the most part. And all things considered, the Buccaneers didn't really have much of a pass rush back in the day. So he was kind of doing it on his own. So just absolutely incredible what he's done. What he's done is just it's comparable to, to Nadam Kung Su. They were both drafted together second and third overall in... 2010 I want to say maybe maybe before that and they just they've been together this the entire decade in terms of the stats they've been putting up it just for reference if you know much more about Dominican Sue than you do about Gerald McCoy mm-hmm. um, now Gerald McCoy is on the Cowboys last year he played for the Panthers but he was just a longtime Buccaneer so he knows a thing or two about losing and mediocrity right. when mediocrity is the best part of your of your decade but yeah, honorable mentions, linebacker Levante David, who was there for a while and was really just once Gerald McCoy got settled in, he was just that stalwart in the middle that could really help things out. Now their linebacker core is incredible, and Levante David is a large part in that. Wide receiver Mike Evans, who made a couple of Pro Bowls, I think one of the first wide receivers ever to have six or seven straight 1,000-yard seasons. He was really good. Um, yeah, so I actually went with Levante David, and Gerald, Mc- Gerald McCoy was my uh, honorable mention. Uh, Levante David, at least in my opinion, uh, is one of the most overlooked, underappreciated players in the NFL. 722 solo tackles, uh, most of any player since 2012. Uh, 14 fumble recoveries, uh, most of any player since 2012. Uh, and that's the Buccaneers uh, franchise record in a single season. Uh, only player in the NFL with 20-plus sacks and 10-plus interceptions since 2012. Um, seven, uh, he's also played a ton of defensive snaps, 7,634. So I guess it's, a, it's not really a credit to how good he is as opposed to how much the Bucks use him. So again, to me, I was really battling between which one, between Levante David and Gerald McCoy. Gerald McCoy. You you really can't go wrong with either of them. They're both again. This is a coin flip. They're both they're both very extremely, extremely stellar uh, defensive players for the Buccaneers, which is really all they really had. Um, but that being said, um, both were great. Um, moving on to the NFC West, we will talk about another extremely mediocre team of the de- uh, another extremely mediocre decade, with the exception of maybe a couple years, and that is the Arizona Cardinals. And to me, there's really only two options here for me, and I went with Larry Fitzgerald. Um, Larry Fitzgerald is prop. I, I don't know if we can say it soundly, but he might be the best player in Arizona Cardinals history. Oh, definitely, um, definitely. I think that's a that's a certainty. First, first ball, first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think. Um, yeah, hundred catches, a thousand yards two years ago. Easily, um, he. Is just an extremely productive wide receiver, and still doesn't seem to get a lot of the recognition he, recognition he probably should get. At least in the last, at least probably in the last couple of years, a lot of that's just been due to his age. He's not quite elite anymore. Again, I don't 
there's not much I have to say here for for uh, Larry Fitzgerald. But again, uh, Patrick Peterson, uh, probably one of the best cornerbacks of the 2010s, at least in my opinion. Um, eight straight Pro Bowls, uh, three-time first-team All-Pro, um, 25 interceptions last decade. Uh, top, is in the puts him in the top ten for uh, during that spin. I'm not sure exactly where he is on that list, but anyways, top ten, which tells you a lot about him personally. Um, and again, like it was almost like I don't want to say it's like Dale Rebus and Rebus Island, but he I would Patrick Peter, I would Patrick Peterson basically had that same effect. It was he was a, he had the ability to basically almost almost cancel out like one 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 entire side of the field. But, again, I had to go with Larry Fitzgerald. He's probably the face of the Arizona Cardinals, but Patrick Peterson's still a damn good player. I felt I felt really bad not picking Larry Fitzgerald. You didn't pick Larry Fitzgerald? No, no. I felt so bad not picking Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. But okay. this is not a card that I play that I'm, I've played often, but I'm going to play this card. Patrick Peterson was also one of the best kick and punt returners of right. the last yes. decade. That's fair. So if we're talking value to the team, I mean that's kind of cheap, but it's absolutely true. He yep. was he was really good at it. You could you could have also said that for Antonio Brown when we were yep. talking about the Steelers, yep. but yep. but you didn't, so it didn't count. But here we are talking about Patrick Peterson, who yeah, uh, if we're talking about the best cornerbacks of the decade, it's him and Richard Sherman that you're really talking about mostly. Uh, no one, you just don't throw to him. You, you can't. He looked. He looked more like a receiver than a cornerback. Whenever someone threw in his direction, it, right. his hand, his hands looked like Larry Fitzgerald's. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy to me. Yeah. Also, 438 tackles for a cornerback. That's pretty good. He was productive on in the run game too. Patrick. Yeah, I think it was mostly just the whole you know eight straight Pro Bowls mm-hmm. to start a career kind of thing. Whereas Larry Fitzgerald had his most productive years in like 2008, 2009. 2010. Larry Fitzgerald was drafted. I think he was drafted in the top three along with like Eli Manning and then Philip Rivers at five. It was the same draft, 2004. That's how, lo- that's how long Larry Fitzgerald's been playing. And Larry Fitzgerald was probably the most productive, pl- the, the most valuable player for the Cardinals in the, in the 2000s. But if we're talking 2010s, yeah. I, I feel like Patrick Peterson did more for the team because Larry Fitzgerald was just, he was really slowing down not to give any disrespect to the guy, but he was basically playing like a tight end and you know how, and a shutdown and a shutdown cornerback will be much more valuable than a tight end any day of the week. That's just kind of the way Larry Fitzgerald played. It's also a testament to how the the Cardinals really failed to build around him until lately. But uh, uh, again, that's, that's that's not really much of an argument. I went with Patrick Peterson just because I felt like he he did something incredible in the That's decade. Fair. Whereas Larry Fitzgerald, for me, in the decade looked like a above average receiver. Yeah, that's fair. Patrick, again, Patrick Peterson was way more than above average. Honorable so mentions. Oh, wait, before that, honorable mentions. Uh, Carson Palmer. I mean, he didn't play there for that long, but you got to yeah. give him credit because he was he led the Cardinals to their best record in franchise history, and they've been around for a damn long time. Right. And they've gone a long time without going 13 and three. Carson Palmer ended that, played really well. Mm-hmm. Could have been, could have been recognized as MVP if Cam Newton didn't have the year that he did, yep. and led them to the NFC Championship for the second time in franchise history. I think, yeah, second time in franchise history. Also, want to give a shout out to Chandler Jones, who had 
nearly 20 sacks last year and has been just sack monster ever since he got there. Calais Campbell, pretty much the same story, sack monster. Chandler Jones also plays linebacker, so he's a little more active in the other other uh, defensive endeavors like run like the run game and coverage and whatnot. But that doesn't take away from the fact that Calais Campbell and Chandler Jones are incredible at what they do. Yep. Nope, for sure. Speaking of in, speaking of incredible of what they of what they do, where we have the Rams next, and I think this is a pretty obvious. I one. picked Jared Goff. They had <laughs> such a bad decade. The Rams. Yeah. They've made. Yeah. They made they the had, playoffs twice in the decade. Don't don't be fooled about. Don't be fooled by their one Super Bowl appearance. Um, and again, they have one. They have one monster on their team. Um, you know who he is. It's Aaron Donald. Um, two-time defensive player of the year. Um, and again, like he's just, he's just ridiculous. Um, NFL, NFL defensive rookie of the year, nine sacks, 18 tackles for a loss. And and then in six seasons, Donald has 72.5 sacks. And in 2018, he set the NFL record for sacks by an interior lineman with 20 and a half, 20.5. Um, he, at least in my opinion, was the biggest reason why the Rams were able to make it to the Super Bowl last year. Sorry, not yep. last year. In, in, in 26, 2018, 18. sorry. 18. 2018, right, yeah. Um, he, We might be talking about Aaron Donald's one of the best defensive players of NFL history. Again, super early. I don't really want to say anything. Like, but I think he – there's at least an argument for it to be – There's, a, I think there's at least an argument to be had about it. Um, honorable mentions, the main one I had was Todd Gurley. Yep. Um, that was the main one I had. Um, again, I don't really think I need to say much about it. Um, tenth overall pick in 2015. Um, and again, like league high, league high twenty. In, sorry, again, in 2018, the Super Bowl year, uh, league high 21 touchdowns, and he was really their main offensive option outside of Cooper Cup, who got hurt that year, and. Jared Goff just sucked that year anyways. So, But anyways, Aaron Donald is my pick, and I don't think it's particularly close. I, I'm not going to add much more to what you said because you mm-hmm. really nailed it. You, I don't know if you mentioned six Pro Bowls and five times five-time first-team All-Pro in you know, six so. or seven seasons, but but that's, that's what he put down. Basically, every year of his career, he was a first-team All-Pro player in the interior. I just want to mention, and I've mentioned it before, but I'm going to mention again, he's like six foot one and 200 and... Yeah. Below 250 yeah. pounds, which is the smallest interior lineman probably ever. And he's probably. putting up the numbers that he's putting up. Yeah, 72 and a half sacks as an interior lineman is crazy. We were talking about Gerald McCoy putting up 54 and a half sacks as an interior lineman and saying that's incredible, which it is. But Aaron Donald, in six, seven years, blew that out of the fucking water. Yeah. Aaron Donald could line up on the outside. He could line up on the inside. He could line up basically anywhere on the defensive line. It doesn't really matter. You could you could single him. You probably shouldn't. You could single him, but you could double him. You could maybe Don't even do that. Don't you could triple him. No, you. I mean, doubling him is just it doesn't work all the time. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was getting at. Yeah. Like he he his his success rate on double on double coverage is way higher than anyone else's. Yeah, which is absurd. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure. I don't know the act. I don't know the pro football focus stats on all that, but right. I mean, watching him get double covered is just like a man manhandling two children. Yeah. I also want to throw an honorable mention to Johnny Hecker, 
who was yeah. the best. Who was the best punter that? He was the best punter in the league. And then Greg Zerloin, another really good kicker for the Rams. Of yeah. Anyways, so moving on to another LA team, the 49ers. What? What the fuck? Um, Joe Staley was my pick, uh, left tackle for the Niners. He held on the position for the entire the decade, so I don't know why it took so long to get out. Um, along, <laughs> during that period, he earned six Pro Bowls, three second-team All-Pros. Um, I thought he was a he, he's a big reason why San Francisco went to four, um, four NFC Championships games. I mean, obviously, they've the, at least in the last couple of years, uh, they've kind of built a nice thing out there in San Francisco. Um, we're talking about tackles. I think he's at least in my opinion, he's probably one of the most athletic ta- probably one of the mo- more athletic tackles you've ever seen. The Niners at the beginning of the decade had an unbelievable defense with guys like Navarro Bowman, Patrick Willis, Justin Smith. Uh, those guys are just the examples, but they were leaders and they were absolutely insane. Alden Smith too, but uh, he's not an honorable mention for me after all the shit he went through. Uh, but yeah, Joe Stale is the easy pick. Of all the players that we have mentioned on this list, of every single one, Joe Staley, I think, is the only one that really experienced the high highs of being on Super Bowl contender and the low lows of being on the worst team in the yeah. on the worst team in the yeah. NFL, a team yeah. that drafted second overall like multiple times. Right. That nobody else, nobody else experienced that. And so I give give Joe Staley a lot of credit. Of all the other blindside tackles we mentioned, like Tyron Smith, Jason Peters, Trent Williams, he played more than all of them. He played 140 games. Yep which is a little bit more, made six Pro Bowls, and he had to compete with those guys to make those Pro Bowls, mm-hmm. which, again, absolutely incredible. There really wasn't much space for any other blindside tackle in the league to yeah. make a Pro Bowl with these guys around. It's absolutely mm-hmm. insane. It was a really good Joe decade St- for that. Yeah. yeah, Joe Staley was just... When when the Niners were really bad, Joe Staley was just was like the only constant there. When Colin Kaepernick's play was really good some weeks and really bad others, he was there. When Chip Kelly was just... Interior, in like from the inside, imploding the team. He was there. Uh, it's just, is I mean, for a for a blindside tackle, he did an unbelievable job at just like Joe Thomas doing his job when things around him weren't so great. And I give him a lot of credit there. And uh, moving on to the final team on our list, the Steelers, which was an, I mean, the Seahawks. Sorry, which was another very difficult one because they had, for me, I'll just name the players that I considered. And they're all they're all multiple Pro Bowl, multiple first team All Pro players, that and Super Bowl winners that deserve to be recognized. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson, yep. Richard Sherman, yep. Earl Thomas, Bobby Wagner, Bobby Wagner and Marshawn Lynch. Yep. Those are the five. Mm-hmm. I, I want to see if we pick the same person. I think we. we I feel like we did. We but, probably. I don't know. I'm scared. All right. Let's say. Let's on. Um, okay. I'm going to count from three to one. Okay. okay. After one, we say it at the same time. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Three, two, one. Russell, Russell Wilson. Wilson. Yeah. Okay. okay we, good. Yeah. Okay. okay. Um, so I, but I, it might just be a quarterback bias, but as you saw with the whole Matt Ryan, Cam Newton thing, we're not biased towards quarterbacks. We yeah, like other exactly. positions. There's, this guy is absolutely absurd. Probably the best quarterback in the league right now behind, uh, behind Mr. Russell. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Lamar, but um, since his no, rookie season, Wilson. I'm a Ravens fan. I'll say he's better than Lamar. Really? Okay. Right um, now? Oh, so, yeah. 
since uh, since Russell Wilson's rookie season, he owns the NFL's sixth highest passer rating with 101.2, the fifth most touchdown passes with 227, and the most come again. This isn't a huge step, but the most comebacks in the fourth quarter or overtime with 32 in regular or postseason games. Again, this is a guy who he was a huge reason why those um, Seahawks teams that uh, went to the Super Bowl won the Super Bowl were so great. And again, Marshawn Lynch, a huge part of that as well. A great rusher. Bobby Wagner is obviously still up and coming now um, as a linebacker. Richard Sherman, no joke. Uh, don't put a sorry defend, defender like Car- on Crabtree or whatever. Oh, stop, just stop, just yeah. stop. <laughs> no, but anyways, to me, Russell Wilson just wasn't really particularly close. This guy's elite. He, I think he's going to continue to grow as a quarterback. And also, I don't know about that, but he, he he's great. And I, to me, it wasn't even really particularly close. Look, it's, it's tough because on this list you have over the last – Eight years. Let's mm-hmm. say since 2012, you have the best cornerback in Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. You have the best free safety in Earl Thomas. And you have probably a top three, if not the best middle linebacker in Bobby Wagner Yeah, on this list. Mm-hmm. Which no other team has something this stacked. This is probably the most stacked list here. Yeah. The Seahawks had probably one of the best, if not, no, one of the best decades in the NFL. No question. The reason we're picking Russell Wilson is just a hint of quarterback bias, but also the fact that his quarterback rating is above 100 over an entire decade, which yeah. nobody can really. Very few. Like, besides like, besides Rodgers and Breeze, no one's going to be saying, yeah, I played over eight years and have a quarterback rating of over 101. 100. Yeah. yeah, no one can. And the fact that he's a mobile quarterback, the, there's this there's a misconception that mobile quarterbacks aren't accurate. They're just they just coast on their athleticism. Russell Wilson is single-handedly bucking that. He's single-handedly saying, "Yeah, I'm I'm a quarterback that can run better than any other quarterback, but I can also throw better than most quarter, almost every quarterback. In fact, I could probably throw better than every quarterback right now besides Patrick Mahomes." Yeah. So, he had a touchdown percentage of six percent and an interception percentage of one point eight, which mirrors Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers won MVP twice in this decade. He was a pro bowler six times at the most stacked position in the league, quarterback, and his catch his catch completion percentage, not catch percentage, completion percentage is sixty four point five percent. Yeah. So the guy was the guy was incredibly efficient for someone that could run. He's doing what elite players are doing Mm -hmm. in a very different way, and that's and that for me is what deserves the respect, and that for me is why he's easily the best the best Seahawk the most recognizable Seahawk of the decade and the one that really deserves this spot. Yeah. Yep. And that's all we have for you today. Um, thank you for listening to the Amateur Bowl podcast and the NFC Best Players of the Decade. We'll see you next time. Whole lot of money. Whole lot of money. I got a whole lot of money. Whole lot of money. You can't hold nothing from me.